Well, good morning again. I am glad to see y'all here this morning. We are uh, continuing on in our journey through the scriptures. And uh, this, this week's message uh, is we are called by the Lord to call on the Lord. And so we will be um, looking at the Tower of Babel and we'll be looking at the call of, of Abraham today. So the Tower of Babel is uh, Genesis chapter 11. So if y'all want to have uh, flip in your scriptures to Genesis chapter 11, that's where we'll be starting at. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for bringing us into existence. Father, we thank you for placing us in such a, a blessed country by you. Father, we thank you that every day that we wake up, we don't have to fear for our lives, and we don't have to worry about um, other nations constantly trying to, to, to come in and, and, and fight us and, and kill us. And, and generally, day to day, we wake up, and, and we just think about what we want to do. And, and so, Father, we, we understand that, that we are highly, highly blessed. Um, and so, Father, we want to thank you for all the blessings that you've given us, all the protection that you've given us. But, Father, we know that while we're here on this earth that there's things that must be done and that you have a plan and a purpose. And so, Father, I pray that you give us the wisdom and, and the love to, to be able to carry out those plans. Father, I pray that you open our hearts and minds uh, as I preach your word um, in this hour and that it will change us and change who we are and give us focus for, for where we need to be headed. We love you, Father, and we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to start off with the Tower of Babel today. Um, so let's, let's look at what has happened so far. In the beginning, God created everything, and the first people he created was Adam and Eve. After he created Adam and Eve, he told them to multiply and to spread out over the earth. Genesis one twenty eight, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. So he says to multiply and to fill the earth, to go out and spread across the earth. Later, after both humans and creatures had become desperately wicked, God decided to start over with just Noah and his family. After he judged the whole world by flood, he told Noah and his sons to multiply and spread out over the earth. Genesis 9, 1, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And again in verse 7, he said, But you be fruitful and multiply, spread out over the earth and multiply on it. After this, we read how Noah sinned against God, just like Adam, showing us that none of us can live perfectly, and therefore we all need someone to save us. In the next chapter, we're given Noah's lineage, which also served to explain how all of these different nations on earth started. And the last verse of the chapter tells us that Noah's descendants, which became nations, were spreading out like God had told them to. Genesis 10:32. These are the clans of Noah's sons, according to their family records, in their nations. The nations on earth spread out from these after the flood. So, what we see after, after Noah's been commanded to go and spread out across the earth, okay, 
Then what we see is we're given his lineage, which is the form of many nations because Noah and his family, they're the only people on earth at this point. So then as they have kids and those kids spread out and have kids and they spread out and have kids, what we have is the beginning of all the different clans. We translate that as nations, but that is what happens. Those clans become nations. So we have the beginning of all these different nations and all these nations, how they came from Noah and his family since they were the only ones on earth at the time. So what they are doing, what God had told them to, they are the nations on earth spread out from these after the flood. So then in, verse, uh, in the very next verse, chapter 11, verse 1, we read this. The whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar, and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. You see what they're doing here? They decide that Their whole purpose for building this tower with its top in the heavens was to make a name for themselves and stay there in one place. Their goal was to not spread throughout the earth. You say, well, why not? Well, they wanted to stay and they wanted to multiply there and become a larger, more powerful nation than all the other nations on earth who were going to keep on spreading themselves thin. Do you see this picture? Everybody's spreading out across the earth. As soon as they have several people, they're spreading out again. They're spreading out again. And then one group gets to the Valley of Shinar and they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's stay here. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build a tower to the heavens. And let's be the biggest, most powerful nation on earth. And they said, not us. They said, you can keep spreading out over the earth if you want to, but not us. No, we're going to stay here and band together. We're going to become strong and powerful, and no one will rival us. We will build a tower for the whole world to see and talk about, and the top will be in the heavens, and everyone will talk about us and fear us. Our name will be the greatest name on earth. You see that? They wanted to build a na- make a name for themselves. They wanted to be the greatest name of any name of any nation. As you can imagine, the problem with this is that it was the exact opposite of what God had told them to do and the exact opposite of what God had planned. The beauty is that God always tells us what he wants and he gives us the choice to go along with him or rebel against him. But no matter what we choose, what he has declared is what will happen. So from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is called Babylon, for there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. So why did God do this? Why was God determined that they were not going to stay in one place and stay together, but that they were going to spread out across the earth? We see the what, But the question is, why? Here's the answer. 
so that they would seek and find God. And you say, well, what are you talking about? God was right there with them, was he not? Wasn't God right there with them? Wouldn't it make more sense if they just stayed right there where God was, that it would be easier for them to find him? And I just want to tell you, God is just as much in Yatesville as he was in Shinar. He's just as much everywhere on the earth as he is anywhere else on the earth. Your physical distance from the Middle East has no effect on your distance from God. God is right where you are, even if you are on the International Space Station. Yes, there are people on, I don't know how many, I don't know who, but there are people on the International Space Station not even on this planet. And they're no further away from God than any of us right here. Acts seventeen twenty six through 27 says this, From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. God has made every nation from one person. He's made every nation on earth. And God has determined their appointed times, and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God. There's your answer. Why did God determine for them to spread out across the earth and form different nations and spread out around the world? He did this so that they might seek God. And perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. You see, God, in his omniscience, knows far better than any of us how to run the universe and what will happen as a result of every scenario. He knew that if people stayed where they were and just built bigger and more powerful cities, what the outcome would have been. He knew what would have happened if they would have stayed in Shinar. He also knew if they were forced to spread out over the entire earth, what the outcome was going to be. He knew what would have happened if they would have been allowed to stay in that valley and build that tower and grow their city and make a name for themselves, what the outcome for humanity would have been. God even said in verse 6, he said, the Lord said, if they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So I'll be the first to admit, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I'll just be the first one to admit, if God would not have confused their languages and forced them to spread across the earth, then yes, I do believe that there would have been cell phones and planes in Jesus' day. I do. I believe there would have been video cameras and cell phones and all this stuff that we eventually figured out how to do if God wouldn't have confused their languages and spread them out and just let them stay in Shinar and build the biggest city they could build and work together. Yeah, I believe, just like God said, then as one people working with one language, then nothing they planned to do would have been impossible for them. Just like you could have told somebody 100 years ago or 200 years ago what we'd be doing today, and they'd have said impossible. And God said, nope, not impossible. Here's, here's my point. God has always known how the future is going to unfold before he created anything. 
And he's created the world and people and has been constantly intervening in the world in such a way that people all over the world would seek him in hopes that they would reach out and find him. He has always stayed close to each one of them so that when they reached out to him, like someone who's drowning, reaching up for someone to save them, he would be right there and grab hold of their hand and pull them up to safety to be with himself forever. I believe with all my heart that even though the majority of the people throughout history will ultimately reject God, I believe he has ordered the world in such a way that really the most people will realize their need for him and will reach out to him to save them. I do. I believe he's come into the world and and destroyed the whole world and started over with Noah and his family. I believe that he went into the Tower of Babel and he confused their languages and forced them to spread out. I believe over and over and over and over he has acted in this world and ordered this world in such a way that he has given an opportunity for the most people to reach out for him to be saved. I believe that. So what about Abraham? God promised that he would turn Abraham into a great nation through whom all the nations on earth would be blessed. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We see that all of those nations that God wanted, that he told Noah's descendants to spread out and form, he wanted them to be blessed through the relationship he was forming with Abraham. The nation would come through Abraham, and ultimately the Messiah that would come through Abraham would show the whole world how to be saved. That's the point. All the nations that he wanted to spread out to seek after him, all those nations, their blessing and salvation would come through this nation that he's forming with Abraham. The prophet Isaiah reiterated this. Isaiah 49, 6 says this, It is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob, and restoring the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, just, just to kind of clear this up a little bit. Isaiah is talking about the, su- the suffering servant, Jesus, the Messiah. The Messiah that's going to come, the suffering servant. Okay, But he talks about Jesus in such a way that Jesus himself is actually kind of related to the same as Israel. And we see that clearly later. Jesus actually fulfills Israel. Everything that Israel was told to do and to live and to be with God, Jesus ends up having to do that and fulfilling that law for Israel. And so Isaiah is saying this, and I'm going to read it on the website Jews for Jesus. There's an article titled A Light to the Nations by Dr. Arthur Glasser. Well, well, not he didn't write the article, but he, he was quoted in the article. Dr. Arthur Glasser said that in Isaiah chapter 49, God tells the servant who is the Messiah, the embodiment of Israel, that, you ready? 
that to confine his activities to returning the exiles to the land is too small a thing, verse 6a. You see that? It is not enough, God says. It is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. So they've been exiled. And he's saying, bringing the the Jewish people back to their land from exile, bringing them back to the place of promise, the land of Canaan. Just bringing them back is not enough, God says. There's a larger task. I will also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That's what it says. I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Israel's main purpose from the very beginning, when he told, when he called Abraham and he called him in the very beginning, he said, I'm going to bless you and form you into a nation so that all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. From the very beginning, God was crystal clear. The whole purpose of calling you out as a nation is to be a light to point all the rest of the nations to me. Because God's not just concerned with just this one nation. He wants every person and nation to be saved. And he's wanted them to be saved from the very beginning of forming the nation of Israel. Dr. Glasser went on to say this, Jesus called into being a band of Jewish disciples who submitted to his lordship and instruction. He gave them the task of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God to every tribe, tongue, and nation. He commissioned them by bestowing a foretaste of his new covenant with Israel, predicted in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. He gave them the Holy Spirit to transform their lives and wrote his law on their hearts. He particularly empowered them for worldwide witness, Acts 1.8. And they obeyed him to such a degree that the world has never been the same since. Those first thousands of Jewish believers in Jesus became a size light to the Gentiles. They spearheaded a movement of mission into the Middle East and India, North Africa, the Mediterranean world, and Europe. And its ongoing momentum remains to this day. From the very beginning, God told Abram that all the peoples on earth would be blessed through you. The purpose of the nation of Israel was always and still is to point all the nations to God, to show them how to be saved and be reconciled to God. But we are not talking about the nation of Israel by physical lineage. I'm not talking about the nation of Israel as a physical descent. To be born a descendant of Israel does not mean you are a true Israelite. Paul makes this clear in Romans 9, that we are the true Israel. Romans 9, 6. Now it is not as though the word of God has failed, because not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. That is, it's not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but the children of the promise are considered to be the offspring. And we'll skip ahead. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness 
and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you see, do you see what we're doing here? Paul is painting this picture, Romans 9, Romans 10. What he's saying is everybody who's born Jewish, who's born of the descendant of Abraham, is not really going to inherit the promise that was given to Abraham. Everyone who's born, in Israel, born into Israel is not the true Israel. It's those who place their faith in, in Jesus. Those who call on Jesus to be saved and place their faith in him. That's who the true Israel is. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. And so Paul paints this picture. If you want to inherit the promise... If you want to be in, spend eternity with God and this new creation that God has promised, you got to be more than just born into it. And those who are not born into it are not outcasts. Paul says it's all based on your faith. Inside the, inside the nation, outside the nation. It's all based on your faith. Do you place your faith in the Messiah, the one that God has promised about? And how can you do that? Faith comes from hearing the gospel message about Christ. That's how you, your faith, people can place their faith in you, but through hearing the gospel message. Therefore, what should be our responsibility? To take the gospel message, to be that shining light to the Gentiles. We are the continuation of the chosen people that God has called to himself to point all the nations on earth to him. We are surrounded by people who will seek God if they are presented with the true gospel and are shown what a real relationship with God looks like. God has placed you here and now as part of his omniscient plan to reach the world. You say, I'm just one person in Yatesville. I can't reach China or Iran. Well, I got, I got two things for you. One, yes, you can. You can reach them through the internet. The, the internet has made it possible that anyone in the whole globe, you can be face-to-face with them just like that. Matter of fact, I've got uh, the, the Yatesville Church youth page. I made that a long time ago. Never used it, but I made it. I posted like two things on it. And I don't, know, I don't even know what country it is. But there are just hundreds of these people that I don't know what language they speak. I can't read it. I can't understand it. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know if they're happy or, or not happy. But there's just, I'm constantly getting notifications. So-and-so like this page. So-and-so like this page. So-and-so wants to join this page. And I can't pronounce their names. I have no idea who they are. I'm just praying God's just using that. So you, as a church, through social media, are reaching people in another country and hopefully having a really good impact. The internet has made our borders just go away. So yes, you can. And you can also, through the cooperative program, when you give money to this church, we send part of that money to the cooperative program who funds missionaries all around the world. 
But, but here's the second point I want to point out. There are people in China and there are people in Iran who know that people in the remotest parts of America need to be saved. We talk about the remotest parts of, of other countries, the remotest parts of Africa, the remotest parts of, of China. Well, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we are the remotest parts of America. We are as remote, not as remote as it gets, but we are some of the remotest parts. Of, our total population is only 400 people. And there are people in China and in Iran who are saying, I'm just one person. I can't reach all those folks in America. And God's answer to all of us is, I have a plan for that. Don't worry. I have already placed and sent someone there. If you would reach the people I've sent you to, and if they will reach the people I've sent them to, the whole world can be reached. And God has a plan for places that don't have anyone that knows Him, and they're called missionaries. God has placed a burning burden on the hearts of men and women who know, the, who know God to send them to places where no one knows God. And there may be people here that God calls out to be missionaries to remote places around the world. He's got a plan for everybody. God has a plan for the people in your town, and that's you. And he's placed a burning in your soul to reach them. We're part of the greatest story the world has ever known. We are. And God, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, God has devoted a whole chapter in His story to each one of us. He's the author of this amazing story. And He has written every page before a single day took place. Y'all familiar with this? Psalm 139.16 Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Everything about you is written in a book. Your whole life is written in a book. We read in Revelation, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't put the, the verses in here, but we read in Revelation chapter 20, how on the day of judgment, all these books are going to be opened. And all these books are going to have the deeds of everything that you've done. I know that's a scary thought, and that's why I didn't even put it in here. I said, no, we're not going to go down the scary road. But hey, I'm preaching, so we're going down the scary road. But it says that there's going to be all these books. Every single person, every person is going to have a book. And in that book is going to be written everything you've done in your whole life. Everything you've done is going to be written in that book. And that book is going to be opened, and you're going to be judged according to everything written in that book. But then he says, and then there's also another book. And the other book is called the book of life. And in that book is written all the names of those who are in, enter into a relationship with God, who are saved. So even though you're going to be judged according to everything written in your book, and you're going to be found guilty, 
If your name is written in the book of life, then all of that is going to be forgiven and wiped away. But if your name is not found in the book of life, the scripture says that you will be cast into hell with Satan and with his demons. So yes, everything you do, everything you say is written in a book. God's book that he wrote before a single day began. So when your life is over, and we're all standing around God, and he reads his grand narrative, when he comes to your chapter, what will be written? What story will we all hear? Will it be a story like Job, full of suffering, but never cursing God, just eagerly looking forward to seeing him face to face? Will it be a story like Enoch and Noah, that you turned from sinning against God and you walked with him in righteousness every day? Will it be a story like Abraham, who stepped out in faith and left his old life behind to start a new life with God, wanting a relationship with God more than anything else and anyone else in this world? What will your story be like? And if you're not happy with what has been written up to this point, then ask yourself this. What do you want the rest of your story to look like? Remember the story of the two criminals that were crucified with Jesus? Luke chapter 23, 39 through 43. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Look at this. This criminal said, we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. What do you think his book looked like? He's being crucified by the Roman government. He didn't call someone a bad name, unless it might have been the emperor. He was a traitor. He was, he was viewed by the Roman government as a severe threat to their country. He was crucified for the things written in his book. His book looked awful. And we know that the Roman soldiers went ahead and broke their knees and killed them that day so that they wouldn't survive tonight. We know that this man had only, at the most, a few hours left to live. And up to this point, his book looked awful. And he said, Jesus, would you just please remember me? He stood up for Jesus in that moment. He said, there's nothing much I can do, but I'll do whatever I can. Will you just remember me? Standing up for you when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, not in these exact words, but he said to him, man, your book looks awful but your heart looks just the way I want it to. 
and today. Not three days from now. Not a year from now. Not thousands of years from now. Today. You and me are going to be in paradise together. Today. As long as you're alive, it is not too late to write a new ending to your book. Jesus stood to his feet at Stephen's stoning. I may not ever do anything to make God stand to his feet. But at the very least, I want to give God something to smile about when he's writing my chapter. Don't you? And I'm saying, let's make sure that God is laughing and smiling while he's writing our chapters. From this day forward. We are called to be a light to the nations. We are called to be a light to the people that we come in contact with. Let's shine our light in such a way that they see Jesus and it makes God proud. Let's have our closing song. Amen. Well, let's, let's get out there. Let's, uh, in, in whatever situation you find yourself in, no matter who you find yourself talking to, whatever happens in your life, whatever comes your way, good and bad and the ugly, no matter what happens, just hold, hold on, keep hope, and, and, and keep focus of what our purpose is. Our purpose is, is to point people to Christ, to tell them about that salvation, to tell them about the name of Jesus and how he desires to have a relationship with them and to show it, not just say it, but to show it. Let's close in prayer. Father, we love you. And Father, we can never thank you enough for your love for us. Father, we thank you that you pursue us even when we rebel against you. Father, we thank you that you forgive us even when we really don't deserve it. And Father, we thank you that you just want to keep on pouring your love on us. It just goes to show how good you are. And so, Father, we, we look forward to, to, to you removing this, this sinful flesh from us, to making us new, to, to making a, a, a day that will come in which we will be able to live in perfect relationship with you and sin against you no more. And Father, while we're here, no matter how long we have, and we don't know, we could have just a few hours left like the criminals beside Jesus. We could have decades left. We don't know. But Father, help us to make the most of this time. Help us to live a life that honors you, that makes you proud and makes you smile when you're writing down our story. Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your story. We love you, Father. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.